Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoking Rope Podcast. Today is episode 27, and I am excited to uh, have Verge Bonero on the show today and what uh, definitely I expect to be very entertaining and a great trip down memory lane. Thanks for being on the show, Verge. My pleasure. Excited to be here. It's show number 20. It took 20. You did 26 shows without (laughs) me? How is that possible? (laughs) Ah, and I didn't have you. I don't know. Must have must have missed my text. <laughs> oh, but it's. Uh, I'm excited uh, to look back uh, on Lansing and uh, and 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 talk about this. And, and I know we got uh, Tom up at Relief Solutions. Uh, Tom, uh, he's up in Kalkaska now, but uh, played a major role in in the Lansing marijuana industry. Maybe just not out in front, but I knew about it. So Tom, thanks for being on. Hey, gentlemen. Good to see you. Happy Friday. Yep. <laughs> and and Kevin at True Cannabis, who was, uh, you know, open can of sewer, still part owner of that, and has been involved in the city of Lansing since he got here. Uh, back when I was in prison, he got here. And then so around 2014, I believe, and was heavily involved. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, so it's exciting to, to talk about the, the, our perspective of Lansing today. So Kevin, thanks for being on. Yeah, of course. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to have Verge on the show. I'm excited to uh, to run it back. It should be fun. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, Verge Bonero, he's a former state rep, former state senator. He was the Democratic nominee in 2010. Uh, things might have gone a little bit different if uh, if that would have gone different. Uh, um, but uh, and then also the mayor of Lansing for 12 years, 2005 and 2017. And at, uh, a lot of people know Verge as the angriest mayor in America back in 2008 when we were uh, going into the uh, deep abyss of uh, the recession and, um, you know, the car industry, whether or not it was going to get bailed out. Uh, this where Verge was fighting for us in Lansing. And I'm sure everyone remembers that. Uh, I met Verge in 2010. I opened up uh, Capital City Caregivers on Michigan Avenue and uh, uh, it was uh, it was pretty tip of the spear. Verge was uh, uh, not against marijuana and allowed us to open and quickly became more of a, not even just a allowing but an advocate, uh, a promoter and really um, you know really let Lansterdam happen, let the last 10 years in, in Michigan and in, in Michigan Avenue and then in Lansing. Uh, happened and when no other mayors really were it was us in Ann Arbor uh, and Flint was just doing it but Verge uh, so Verge my distinction has a huge history and a huge part in the in the city for marijuana and the state and really even nationally because of that so that's why I'm excited to to have Verge on the show I, I feel blessed that I get to talk to you and get an inside scoop on politics and things that are going on it's fascinating to me so um, but really, uh, you know, from the mayor's perspective, the capital city allowing cannabis in the state before the Robacher Far and everything else. So, Verge, thanks for being on. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Yep. Thanks. <laughs> thanks for being on and maybe introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, I know I left a lot out. And then why don't you just start with, uh, you know, what, what you thought when Danny opened his first store and then I opened the next one. <laughs> 
Well, uh, very, very kind introduction, and uh, I'm honored to be here, uh, even on the 27th <laughs> show. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm honored to be here. And uh, let me just say congratulations to each of you and uh, on, on being the trailblazers that, that helped make it happen uh, in Michigan and, uh, and in Lansing. Um, this is, look, this is just a move towards sanity. I mean, and that's, that's why I supported what I call, you know, the normalization uh, of, of cannabis in Michigan. And, and the people voted for that. I mean, I, I don't know that what I did was anything, was particularly courageous. The people of, of Michigan, including myself, uh, voted uh, to, uh, for uh, medical marijuana initially. Um, you know, they voted to decriminalize, they voted to normalize. Um, and as I recall, it just, uh, it seemed like the state, you know, was taken forever and a day to, to a- actualize, you know, to, to put in place what the voters had, had voted for. And uh, in the meantime, uh, you know, we were saying here, we're, we're wasting resources, police resources, out trying to enforce laws that really uh, we can't keep up with, that, that are unenforceable. You know, I had, I came, I'll tell you this, I give a lot of credit to my police chiefs, uh, gentlemen. Uh, you know, I had Mark Alley when I first became mayor, then Teresa Shemansky, and then Mike Jankowski, uh, who I got to pick. Um, I didn't pick Mark Alley, but he was phenomenal. Um, and, and they were great chiefs, and they understood that law enforcement, you really, you're enforcing norms. You're enforcing, if you're enforcing laws that the people don't believe in, good luck. Uh, and, you know, you're, the police have to be an extension of the community. And, and I learned this from my chiefs and with my chiefs, uh, that they believed this, that, that the police department, the police force is an extension of the community. And, I, and that's a whole other issue. I know policing, but it's wrapped into, of course, normalization of cannabis and so many other things. But we, we have been blessed in Lansing with good chiefs and a good department um, where uh, they do see themselves not as an occupying force, but an extension of the community. So if your community, which Lansing overwhelmingly voted to normalize cannabis and if we're out there enforcing locking people up you know uh, trying to arrest people and they've already voted and it's a really a technicality that the state hasn't hasn't given us the exact uh guidelines so we we sort of uh you know it was it, it, we sort of pushed it and said you know let's be on the cutting edge uh of of recognizing the reality uh, of cannabis that that the people have said uh, we don't want this to be illegal. You know, they've already spoken. And so we're not going to go out and try to enforce something that is against the will of the people. Um, and and so uh, that helped spawn the industry early, uh, the legal industry early. And, and and my idea was, you know, again, not revolutionary, you know, get it out of the shadows, uh, uh, put it on front street. And, and that's what you were doing, you know, and you were risking plenty in, in doing that. Uh, saying, look, we want to comply with whatever rules there are. Uh, we're not hiding anything. And so we just, you know, we just, and, and my chief, it wasn't anything where I had to twist arms with the police department. You know, my, thankfully, uh, my chiefs agreed. And, and largely, I think most of the department, most of the officers were like, you know, let's stop trying to enforce this, this BS um, that, that is really not criminal behavior. And, and, and when you look at alcohol, I asked my chief, I mean, we had, we had many lengthy conversations with the department, with the community, comparing alcohol-related crimes with cannabis-related crimes. And and how many times does do, do crimes, uh, uh, assaultive crimes, uh, are they related to alcohol compared to cannabis? 
And, and of course, it's night and day. You know, it's it's common that, that excessive use of alcohol leads to problems, uh, fights in bars, domestic abuse, etc. cetera. Uh, and cannabis, really the opposite. So uh, it, it really, a lot of it just made sense. And then, and then we largely had very good operators uh, to start. Um, you know, you guys pushed me a little bit. It's true. Uh, you pushed the envelope. And, and we talked about it and said, you know what? This is, again, it's normalizing. It's pulling it out of the shadows. It's creating jobs. And, and you know, when I look at it today, um, you know, and I, and I remember the press. I mean, you, people can Google this. I mean, there were, there were times when the State Journal, uh, they would really uh, ask. I mean, they would really be pushing it. And the electronic mm-hmm. media, you know, what are you doing? And isn't this blah, 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 really, really uh, pushing it. And I was talking about the vision that I had for normalization and what it would mean for the economy. And again, that's why I, that's another reason I think the state, you know, voted for it. And it's one of the great byproducts, the, the economic benefits, the jobs, and good paying jobs that you all are creating. And now I see it throughout Lansing and I, and I, and I look at this and I, I may be jumping ahead and I'll shut up so you guys can talk. Um, but, but you know, you look at this, this economy that we're in now, Ryan, you referenced the great recession. Uh, and yeah, they called me the angry mayor. Yeah, I was angry because I heard people so- talking about, forget yep. about the auto industry, never mind manufacturing. You know, it's all going overseas. We can't fi- fight it. Automation, robotics, you know, that's just the way it goes. Those jobs are gone. And yeah, I got damn upset about that. And I said, GM is worth saving. And I knew what those jobs meant to this community. But at the same time, look at the industry that's been spawned. Look at the look at the jobs coming in the green, the green economy uh, with cannabis. Um, and if we didn't have those now, as tough as this economy is, and a lot of people are hurting, we know that. And I know, Ryan, you and the Guild are looking at ways to give back. Um, but but look at the jobs that have been created um, uh, with, with you know, so many entry-level positions and so on, that uh, people that are making a living wage uh, and a good wage in the cannabis industry, where would we be without it at this point? I mean, we're talking about, I, I don't know that if there's been a study done, thousands and thousands of jobs. Just a- just, just in the Lansing, Lansing region. <laughs> I really just wanted to, to uh, echo what you were saying. I really appreciate you creating a space in Lansing that caregivers could feel comfortable actually knowing, at least most of us, that we had a space where the police were on, sometimes maybe not necessarily on our side, but we're willing to actually look at cannabis differently than in many other places throughout the state. And uh, it was, it was nice, you know, it was, it felt, um, you know, it felt like, um, you know, for me, Lansing is home and that's, I've, I live most of my life there. I came up to Kalkaska because uh, once the MMFLA passed, it seemed like Lansing started to really fight itself on how they were going to monetize cannabis in the city and how they're going to, you know, give the licenses out or how are they going to how they were going to uh um you know take this industry from an existing industry but we already had with you know the green mile and there were plenty of plenty of shops popping up um but it seemed like once the mmfla came into place everything kind of stalled and uh that's when people really started getting scared and trying to figure out what was happening i found a home in kalkaska because they were open and I looked at my hometown of Lansing and I was like, man, I don't know what's going on here, but I don't know if they're ever going to get it together enough to, you know, for me to open up shop. And so, you know, that's why we decided to make the move. Uh, you're refreshing my memory. 
One of the things that happened, I did not want to shut everybody down, but we got a court decision, I recall. And I remember Briggs Smith was our city attorney um, because we had taken more of a laissez-faire attitude of allowing things to, to spring up. Uh, and we did take, we did face some criticism sure. for that, uh, but sure. we knew that it was a new uh, market. Um, but then there was, as I recall, there was some complaint and some court decision. McQueen was in 11 where a bunch of us had to shut down. And then there's another one later on. And the city attorney basically advised me that, that we needed to live by the court decision. And so I remember then we sent letters out to everybody saying that you have to close. And I think basically everybody complied with that. Um, and, and again, I, I, so I tried to do what I could within, within the law. When the, when the law was unclear, we, we erred on the side of growing the industry and then this court decision came down. So then we had to try to move uh, quickly to you know, comply with and push the state to do their thing so we could uh, develop the industry under the new statute. So, hey, Verge, I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm interested because uh, I, I, I was living it. And two of my, I feel like I call them my arch nemesis. I got a few of them over the last 11 years. One was uh, Bill Schuette. And, uh, you know, after he was elected uh, at, at 10, everything changed in cannabis in Michigan. You know, he really went after the law and us. So I'm wondering if anything you could divulge if you guys ever butted heads with your cannabis policy and then also my other arch nemesis that i'm real thankful is gone is one of them is jody washington and how hard it was to to, uh, to work with her and to, and and to get things done and uh you know it's a different makeup now so I'm, i forget the details now the truth is i would need to walk through with briggs smith the city attorney um there was definitely there were letters constantly being exchanged uh, there were phone calls and, and, and threats from this from the state attorney general's office under Schuette. Uh And so we would meet. I remember periodic meetings with the city attorney, with the police chief. And um, in fact, I remember saying, look, if Schuette, if that's the way he feels, then, you know, that's up to the state police. I can't I don't control the state police. I, I control my police. And so I know what we're going to do. But if Shooty at various times said, you you can't allow this, you have to shut this down. And there were plenty of times when we when it was a kind of a game of chicken. And we said, if you want to spend your police resources, if the state wants to come in here and spend time and money <clears throat> shutting down these facilities, have at it. We're not doing that. And, and my police chief, again, where it was legal, unless the law clearly said I had to act against uh, the cannabis industry. I didn't because, and again, I just felt, uh, wh what are we doing here? The people have voted. The people have spoken. And here you got Shooty telling us we got to go in and shut you down. Why, why would I do that? I mean, again, and I have limited police resources, you know, I've got real crime and then I've got the product. And basically the cannabis people were saying, look, come in, investigate, you know, we're open, inspect us. We're only dealing in cannabis. We're not dealing in any other drugs. We're, we're not, we're checking yep. the cards. We're not selling to minors. So basically my instruction and under, under our charter, the mayor is the, the top law enforcement official with all the powers of the sheriff. I made it very clear. My position is unless they're selling to minors or selling something other than marijuana, you know, that we're, we're not stopping them. We're, you know, and, and, and again, most everybody, I think we shut one, I remember one or two where there was some question about maybe what they were selling or I think at one time maybe maybe not properly carding people. But the vast majority of the industry players were, were totally responsible. 
So yeah, we we butted heads with Shooty. Um, you know, I mean, I remember uh, running into him uh, politically. We had one thing he he did a um, he did this thing to protect kids, and he invited me. And I remember it was a big deal because uh, it was something about against uh, I forget if it was against bullying or against child abuse or something. And and I agreed. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stand up with you on that. And my people went crazy. And they said, you can't stand with Shooty. You know, absolutely not. You know, he's a Republican. He's this, he's that. And I said, it's it's anti-bullying. I said, I, I happen to agree with them. You know, I said, and he, he asked me to speak. And so I said, well, as a compromise, I said, I won't speak, but I will be there. I support what you're doing. Um, you know, we've gotten into such a such a polarized time where a Republican, Democrat, and, and I get it, okay? And I look, I was against Trump, uh, a lot of Trumpism, what he stands for, but we have got to get back to, j just like we talk about normalizing cannabis, we've got to get back to normalizing politics and, and being able to work on what we agree. Even if you're a Republican or you're this or you're that, you know, city mouse, country mouse, we've got to be able to get back to, to focused on issues and I know that that uh, on a statewide basis, like you mentioned, Kalkaska, uh, Tom, uh, you know, I bet you got a lot of Republican officials out there in a lot of Republican burgs, uh, holdout areas. Uh, they're pro cannabis. You know, they see the dollar signs. They see the it, maybe it's more of a um, what do you call uh, uh, libertarian position, uh, live and let live. But, uh, you know, where you've got a natural substance that is he much healthier than alcohol. Uh, on most, uh, by most measures, um, if not all, you know, why, why wouldn't you uh, promote this? So, so I'm glad to see it was a bipartisan effort in terms of normalizing this. Uh, and again, uh, let's work together to, to continue to, to, to make it work. Uh, it's, it's one of the few new industries. I'd like to see some other new industries come to Michigan. I think we made a big mistake with the film industry. Um, uh, one of the things that Snyder did um, that I vehemently disagreed with them is he pulled the plug on the whole film credit in the third yeah. year when everybody agreed it needed five years. Everybody, when they put it in place, Republicans and Democrats said, we gotta, we got to let this play out for five years because that's the, the, that, that fourth and fifth year, that's when people will start to build infrastructure and start to build studios and that sort of thing. He came in and in the third year, after throughout the campaign, he said he, he and I know I'm, I'm not here to really run against <laughs> Snyder again, but but uh, he killed the film industry. So we would have had the film industry and the cannabis industry, which, Perfect. you know, what a great yeah. marriage that could have yeah. been. The Great Lakes. Uh, so, you know, maybe maybe that's something that the cannabis, once we get everything going uh, good and, and stabilized in the cannabis, then we can work on bringing back the film industry in Michigan. Yeah, hey, Burgess, this is Kevin over at True Cannabis. Um, I just wanted to run it back with you for a minute. Um, you know, uh, I've, I've pretty much done what I've done in Lansing uh, without an investor, pretty much done it, uh, you know, by myself. Um, and I don't really credit a lot of people with uh, helping, be, helping me along the way, but there are some people that I couldn't have done it without. And uh, one of those people was you. Um, I don't know that you know how much of an effect you had on me when I was trying to get going. Um, when I moved, I, I lived out in Colorado for, for 13 years. I grew up here in Michigan and Howell, moved out to Colorado, and that's kind of where I learned my craft. And when I came back to Michigan, um, I had missed the boat in Colorado. I honestly was terrified. Uh, I had been, you know, charged with some marijuana crimes, just simple possession and stuff like that. But it ended me up getting in jail before I left Michigan to go to Colorado. I hadn't had any problems in Colorado, uh, but I kind of hid 
and missed the boat with the way that the law rolled out there. And when I got back here, I knew I wanted to do things different, but I didn't know how to go about it. But I, uh, I joined an association. Uh, that association happened to invite you uh, to speak at one of our dinners down in, uh, in Royal Oak. And you came down there and you talked about um, the, the, the climate in Lansing and that you were more than willing to roll out the green carpet to any one of us that wanted to come to Lansing and start a business. And I took that to heart. The next day I came to Lansing, we found a building. Um, <laughs> I made sure it met all the zoning requirements that um, they had implemented in the Colorado law uh, to try to give us some kind of uh, uh, you know place to start for making sure we had a secure enough building. Um, and then we, I came and met with you. Ken Cole came and took me down uh, to meet with you. And I did not want to open our doors unless you gave me the okay. And we, and we talked about it. And you basically said that you weren't gonna, uh, you know, have your police, you know, enforcing anything, and that we had your support. And and that gave me the confidence to open my doors and get this ball rolling. Uh, something that I had worked at for the majority of my adult life. Um, and honestly, I can't thank you more. You've you've been a, a great influence uh, on, on not only me but a ton of other people. Um, and, and, and it's been amazing. So I, I just wow. wanted to start off by thanking you for that. You're very kind. Thank you so much, Kevin. I remember one, um, you know, and you brought up another whole area, which, uh, you know, Ryan mentioned at the, at, the, at the beginning, you know, the criminalization, the, the number of people that have been given uh, criminal records. And I know the state and the governor, they're addressing this now uh, of trying to uh, remove some of this, this criminal past that, that we've given people. But uh, it, this was used as an excuse. One of my own daughters uh, got pulled over for joyriding. Uh, she was singing a song as she was driving. Uh, nothing about that she was weaving or anything, but but you know pulled over for joyriding because uh, apparently you know it's illegal to sing while you're driving. Must have been East Lansing. Um, and and that <laughs> yes. So and then then of course they found some I don't know some roach or something that had you know some. And so, uh, and, and now she happened to be, uh, you know, uh, fairly privileged, uh, you know, uh, a person that was not disadvantaged in life. And so that was just a temporary thing. She was able to, you know, and, and we were able to get lawyer, a lawyer and so on and so forth. And she ended up, be, I think, being able to get it expunged uh, uh, by keeping it clean, her nose clean and blah, 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 and jumping through some hoops. But, you know, that cost, I don't know, thousands. And not everybody has that. And as you know, our so-called justice system uh, is heavily weighted against uh, people of color and people on the low end of the economic that can't afford uh, the, the, the proper legal uh, help and everything. Uh, so, you know, all of that. I mean, again, the, the people spoke. I mean, the people in Michigan and with your help, the putting the putting the initiative in front of them. Uh, thank God we said we want to normalize this. I remember we, we, we had this thing when I was mayor called Chore, City Hall on the Road. And we would take all the city departments and go to a, a different part of the city, go right into the neighborhood, into a gymnasium or into a church basement and set up all the departments, have the department heads uh, after hours. So that people could come, working people could come and talk to the director of public service, talk to the police chief, you know, talk to the mayor. Um, and we would try to get a little food, you know, give them a little snack and they would come and eat our food and yell at us, which was great. Um, you know, that's what you want. We tried to be accessible. And I remember while this change was happening, while this shift toward normalization, not every, as you know, not everybody was delighted about it. And I remember one lady, at, well, virtually at every meeting, there would be one lady, at least, that would, you know, rake me over the coals about it. And I remember this woman saying, uh, I, look, she said, I was walking with my grandson. And she said, uh, and, and what do I see? A marijuana shop on this corner. And we walk a little bit further in a marijuana shop. 
And she said, uh, what am I supposed to tell my, my grandson? You know, what am I supposed to say to him about this, the, the, this marijuana in Lansing? And I let it, I let it permeate for a while. There's a pregnant pause. And I said, well, do you, you know, can I ask you a question? I said, can I answer your question, you know, with a question? I said, what, do you ever watch TV with your grandson? And she said, yeah, sometimes. And I said, well, I said, have you noticed that, I said, when I watch TV, I noticed that almost every other ad, it seems, is about a pill. You know, a purple pill for this, a little white pill for this, a pill. If you if you can't sleep, there's a pill for that. If you have trouble in bed, there's a pill for that. If you're indige- you know, indigestion, there's a pill for that. I said, uh, when you're watching TV and these ads come out about these drugs and then the side effects, because they almost all have these side effects that ultimately will like almost kill you. I said, what do you what do you say to your grandson about about those pills? And her face turned red and she said, I didn't, I'm not here to talk about that. She said, I'm I'm asking you about marijuana. And I said, no, I know. But I said, you're implying that marijuana is something wrong, like it's some kind of a drug. I'm asking you about over-the-counter drugs that are being pushed and prescription drugs that are being pushed constantly, constantly advertised and pushed in our faces that have deadly side effects. I said, from what I know, marijuana doesn't have that deadly, those deadly side effects. So, so, you know, as a, and now I am a grandparent. So as a grandparent, I'd be concerned about the health of my, of my grandson. And, you know, what, what are the messages that he's being, that he's being sent? Well, it's always the children too. I mean, people like to throw that out there too. This is all about the children. What about the children? It's like, it's not our job to explain the world to your children and do your job for you either at the same time. I mean, I know you're in a more you know, sensitive position being the mayor and everything, but it just seems like, a, yeah, it seems like an interesting cop out for people to just say, oh, well, we can't do this because the children. It's like, well, if you can't talk to your kid about something like pot, which is a plant, you know. And Tom, the reality is, I went to Catholic school first through eighth grade and then and then public school. And basically from eighth grade on, marijuana was available. Uh, whether I was going to a, 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 a um, whether it was sanctioned, a, 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 an official function or an unofficial function, I mean, marijuana was there. It was available. I had to make a choice, you know, as, as a teenager. And, and I think that's true in most, most, in most every part of America, it was there. And now, and, and so hopefully it's less available now to teenagers, you know, and I certainly think it should not be available, you know, to youngsters. Um, and we all agree on that. But, uh, but, but, but again, that's always been a choice. Now it's more in your face. It's on front street. Uh, and again, just like alcohol, we could also be, I mean, I saw alcohol being used and abused, uh, you know, in my teen years, something terrible. And it's a huge issue and it's still an issue. And it's an issue in high schools and in colleges. Uh, so yes, you know, substance abuse is a perennial issue. We need we need to take seriously, we need to work on. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's something I'm sure the Guild uh, will, be, will be looking at, how they can be part of the solution. For sure. Hey, Verge, I, you know, I, I think about, I have a, a dream for the city of Lansing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm over here in Old Town. And, uh, you know, I love I love being in Old Town, definitely putting down roots here. Uh, I'm over in Covert Law and we're, we're looking at, you know, hopefully in six months, maybe purchasing a building right on Washington Ave. And, um, you know, 
I've I've been a little vocal. I've done some op eds. I'm 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 working hard with the city now because we have an ordinance that cap grows it's it limited the number of grows and i know people that are in buildings that work that are caregivers and are approved by the state but denied by the city because they don't have enough money it's a real anti-social equity ordinance that i'm upset about and then but besides that i like to see some more lounges events i i i, I mean we have a chance we were on our way lansing could be the the capital in the Midwest for cannabis events, the epicenter. I mean, and with all the employees, Ann Arbor could, isn't the same because there's no grows in Ann Arbor. There's the, the property's too expensive, so there's not all those employees. We've got everything here. We've got school board members just elected in Okemos that work for cannabis companies. It's normalizing. So my dream is to is to make Lansing that. How do you? I mean, what 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 would if if you were here still? What what would you want it to look like? Well, uh, I love the term that Kevin used about laying it, laying down the green carpet um, for the cannabis industry, you know, instead of the red carpet. Um, and that's that's what we should be doing. You know, we we and I know our the ordinance that we passed and it's, I guess, been amended and, and probably will be amended again. We did the best we could at the time. And, and part the, of that was the, it's the new record ordinance. That, it's the new so record you weren't around for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. There you go. So, you know, we did the best with what we had and under state law, the confines of state law and so on. But, but uh, you know, one thing we did was really emphasize redevelopment of old property. And I know, Ryan, you're, you're in Old Town. I mean, you see the splendor. There's nothing like, if those old buildings had been destroyed, you know, you can never bring it back. And the young people love the feel and the vibe of, of yeah. Old Town. People just love that atmosphere. Uh, praise God that a lot of that was preserved. Uh, Busby, uh, uh, who, who is no longer with us, uh, and, and, and then the, the other, Terry, uh, Terry Terry and yep, others, Terry, the, Terry. the, the leaders of the OTCA, uh, Tom Arnold, I know has done a lot of great work on those yep. buildings. Uh, he's a real craftsman, uh, and others, uh, who, who, uh, uh, are just, uh, emerging, but, um, yeah, the industry is, is, uh, can be a big part of that. And, and again, we should be laying out the green carpet. This is one of the few new industries that we've captured. One of the things I fought for in that first ordinance was no limit on grows. Because I said, why other other communities limited? Oh, two grows, two two dispensaries, two whatever. I said, why would we? I can see, I guess, limiting mm -hmm. retail, but why would we limit grows? That's like saying we only want two Twinkie makers. You know, we only want two bakeries in in Lansing. Why would why wouldn't we want fifty bakeries if the bakeries want to come? Why wouldn't we want people manufacturing? Would we limit manufacturers? No. Would we say we only want two car makers? You know, if an electric car maker uh, wants to come in here, uh, bring it. You know, and so if you want to grow cannabis here in Lansing, we want you here. Absolutely. And 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 again, all of the benefits. And like you say, it's 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 normalizing. I mean. Uh, when people talk about like putting a, uh, um, those, those smaller uh, liquor licenses with a, like a tavern license with food, um, it used to be people would really count that, like how many places, how many, oh, we have enough bars. Well, I don't think too many people are going bar to bar, uh, restaurant to restaurant in order to get drunk. <laughs> um, the, the, the point is that the, 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 the license gives you, it augments, people want to have a wine, you know, a glass of wine. I mean, this is a city council that that allowed um, they allowed to have some, uh, a liquor license, a limited beer and wine um, at a soccer complex, and and so you know the fact is we can we can walk and chew gum at the same time, and uh, yes, it is being normalized, and the younger generation and and a lot of older folks, you know, it's it's common. 
Okay, it's it's just it's a part of life. And again, you know what? As I age, uh, you, just speaking from a medical side, um, why, why wouldn't I look to cannabis first? You think I'd look to one of these other prescription drugs that if you listen carefully, causes this, 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 this. Uh, of course, no matter what ailment, in the end, we're all gonna get sick and die, sadly. And uh, but But when I do, uh, I'm going to cannabis first as a solution. You know, that's going to be the first place I go. And then uh, if I have to do some other. But yeah, it's a part of life. It's here. I'm glad that it's here in Lansing. It's a big part of the economy. Uh, I think that the MSU or some other outfit should should study just really what the economic impact is. I think the state gets it. Uh, you know, this is this is uh, one of the uh, one of the golden eggs of our economy, especially in these tough times. So again, uh, my hat goes off to you and the other uh, trailblazers who helped make it happen. I see buildings, I see buildings being reused. I know you know what I'm talking about. That that would, who knows how long they would have sat empty or or, or been demolished. I see old warehouses, I, bowling alleys, uh, being turned around uh, and being infused with construction. I see construction jobs, you know, and and cannabis jobs. Uh, where I don't know where would all these people be working, especially now when when the restaurants, uh, a bunch of them are, are closed, sadly. So so Verge, um, a couple of questions for you. Um, you know what what keeps you motivated? You, you know I I I've been in politics. I've I've lobbied. Um, you know, and it's it's kind of sometimes like running your head into a brick wall. You know, and and it and it's kind of like a nonstop thing. You're always trying to explain somebody, you know, your point of view, and try to get them to understand that you know maybe what you're trying to do is has you know is a righteous thing or it it should be done. Um, you know, one, what what keeps you keeps you motivated? Two, uh, what got you into politics, and uh, and what was it that what was the moment that 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 flipped the switch for you that you were going to be a, a staunch supporter of cannabis? Um, well, my aunt, uh, I won't get into the life and times so much of Virg Bonero, but, uh, you know, we all had a hero and my, uh, not only my mother, of course, who was a, a big Italian mama, you know, she was a big woman and she was a great Italian cook. And, and if I have any gift of gab, people used to say the gift of gab, it came from my mom. My dad was a stoic figure. He went to work every day, uh, night and day. He worked, he was the provider. Uh, and you know, he came directly from Italy. Um, and he didn't talk much. I never doubted his love. And uh, for me, but but uh, my mother was, uh, she would not put up with any injustice. And and with her, you know, strangers were friends and friends were family. If you went to the grocery store with her, you know, you were always embarrassed because she'd come away with three new friends. She'd be sharing recipes and everything else. And then my aunt Betty was a county commissioner. She was county commissioner and then clerk, uh, Betty Fortino, and she was just a phenomenal public servant. She was just one of these. And that's why when I when I hear uh, Trump talking about these clerks, there was some big conspiracy. They all stole the election. I'm like, you're talking about my Aunt Betty, my, my late Aunt Betty, who died in office in Waterford as township clerk. She was a Democrat, you know, nominally. Really, she was a middle of the road, you know, very conservative, Catholic. Um, and and she just did the job like all like a lot of these clerks, Democrat and Republican. They just do the job. They they love the idea of public service and voting, and they're in there doing the job. And you see how they've castigated this this Republican Secretary of State, this poor poor guy in Georgia. He's just doing his job, and now he's got to look over his shoulder and worry about being taken out. It's, it's unbelievable what what's happened. But but public service, I just believe Kevin, public service is honorable. Um, I loved being in public service. I miss it. Uh, that's why I'm taking a look at maybe going back into public service. But, uh, you know, I think it's honorable. And, and I think we've got to stand up 
all of us, Democrat, Republican, as patriots, as people that love this country, and say, stop the nonsense uh, and let's work together. Uh, I don't think, you know, when Biden talks about unity, I don't think he's just talking. Um, I think he means it. We've get, uh, I'm going to be talking to youngsters. My nephew uh, just asked me to come on uh, uh, Zoom. They're doing this career fair. And I'm going to go on and talk about public service. Uh, we've got to let our young people know that public service is honorable, that politics can be an honorable career. What happens if our young people no longer want to be politicians because we've given politics a dirty name? Politics is how we get things done in America. Mm-hmm. I mean, either you have the Chinese system where they're repressing, look what they're doing in Hong Kong, you know, uh, or the, the Russian model where any enemy of Putin is wiped out. You know, or you have the American model. It's not perfect, but you know what? We get to disagree, we get to yell, argue with each other, whatever. Um, and uh, it's a much better system, and we should respect the other side. So I don't know if I answered your question, but but uh, you know, cannabis. It cannabis, cannabis found me. You know, I quietly believed that this was nonsense. Uh, that what we were doing, the government, you know, arresting people, creating these, you know. Uh, criminalizing and so on. And I kept looking at alcohol versus cannabis, saying alcohol versus marijuana, thinking, and, and again, as a mayor with the running the police department, I saw the trouble that alcohol caused. And, and we aren't going to go back to prohibition. You know, we tried it. So it just clearly with a substance like marijuana, which is less, you know, has no, <laughs> the problems are so much less than alcohol. It's just screaming at you. And then somebody invited me to, to go to the uh, hash bash and I thought, maybe that was you, Ryan. And I thought, uh, you know, why the hell not? You know what? That's what I believe. I'm, I'm going to hash bash and just and I'm just going to say it. And then and then once it passed, once normalization passed, uh, then it was my challenge. It was at my doorstep as mayor. I'm either going to go with the shooty model of, of, you know, shutting people down, continue to make arrests and so on, or I'm going to do something different. And to me, very clearly, the public had spoken. And so, you know, I'm glad we did what we did in retrospect. But at the time... You know, again, a lot of some of these battles, if you're if you're mayor, if you're in that position, you know, these battles will, will find you. There's no place to hide. you got to take a position. Yeah, it seems it's really sad, man. Moving forward uh, in this country as it stands right now, it's we have completely lost the ability to disagree with someone yet have a civil conversation and and, you know, actually communicate at a human level. I mean, I think cannabis could be a great bridge for that type of conversation and bringing that back into our lives right now it's either your left or your right and there's no middle ground and you know i really feel like embracing cannabis as a social tool also can help you know the peace pipe i mean that's there's you know it it stopped wars you know i mean why why couldn't it stop simple civil disagreements you know and a lot of that comes back to the ability to have events cannabis events that people can gather in a place once this covid stuff is hopefully behind us and we can have these events uh do you see lansing hosting cannabis uh cannabis events in the in the near future have they embraced that type of uh those type of events to happen uh, I don't know that they've done it yet, and my I, 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 Ryan might be able to bring us up to speed. I, my, I assume that uh, that the COVID thing is really, you know, uh, put, put the kibosh on, well, you know, any kind of gathering. So um, uh, I think that was just being discussed, yep. as I recall. Yeah. It was just being yeah. discussed, the notion of, of uh, allowing some of that. I don't think it had been disallowed. Um, you know, I, I, I certainly hope so. 
that it will. You know how I think it was being discussed. How does it fit into events like Common Ground? Yep. You know, do yep. you do you have a, a a section? You know, just like you would normally have a section that would be roped off with alcohol. Yeah. Well, actually, Verge, I was speaking with Kevin Meyer um, about Common Ground right before COVID uh, really shut everything down. We have the first uh, event license in the state for uh, cannabis events. And I even renewed this year. I didn't get to use it, so I'm paying for stuff that I'm not using, and I'll get into that this time, but maybe we'll have a whole <laughs> discussion and wrap up all of the grievances that we've had. But, you know, nobody saw this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it's really just as simple as treating it like alcohol. I mean, that's all we that's what we have to do. People need to get over some of these um, you know, the smell factor and I mean, you're not going to get away with not having a smell to cannabis and things like that. More, more and more I sense an acceptance uh like from the chamber uh, you know, my I worked. Uh, I've had a, a great relationship with the Capillary Manufacturing Council. Uh, I've served as the executive director, um, uh, uh, and we just had a meeting today. Uh, our our board. Um, you know, we did a we did a campsy conversation. We did a virtual tour of one of the facilities. Um, our board is very interested. Um, I think the chamber is now welcoming uh, cannabis uh, businesses. So you know, as it becomes more mainstream. Um, you know, you're gonna again. You've got those those holdouts that that it's a it's a holdover from I guess the the um, reefer madness uh, where uh, you know the government and so on. There there were all those campaigns. Um, and and you look at uh, the the again when we talk about uh, cannabis versus alcohol or cannabis versus other medicinal the medicinal qualities um, of CBD or other uh, parts of of cannabis. Uh, as you know. You know, we're only just just beginning the study of really what are the positive impacts. Um, co again, compared to other medicines uh, for treating certain ailments, um, it's it's just the tip of the iceberg because the government even prohibited, you know, studying, which is just astounding. I, I don't even think that Americans, most of them, are aware of just you know what big I assume big pharma and big booze did to see to it that that uh, cannabis was was held back and 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 shoved under the rug um and and universities that wanted to risked everything uh to and that's why most didn't to, to even yeah, simple descheduling would have taken care of that yes i was disappointed that president obama didn't uh, uh take it off schedule one um you know i would be shocked stunned and disappointed if uh if president biden doesn't uh, get it off schedule one it's got to happen way. Yeah, I mean that's and not to be off subject, but that's one of the things that's really annoying is, and I wish the government would get it right because you know it's never a good thing to cry wolf, and like we've grown up being told that cannabis is is, is schedule one, it's you know equivalent or worse than than meth, heroin, coke, everything else, um, and we're still being told that. I just saw this paper put out by the osteopathic medicine at MSU and it was filled with it. So like we know better, we know that's not true than it would be such an easier convince to explain with real issues like whether or not people want to take the vaccine or not, things like that. People people in the cannabis world know they've been lied to by these same people for so long, so it's it's time to stop stop crying wolf on, on something that we all know because it's hurting the credibility on really important things that we have going on in the rest of the world. And by the same token, I know you agree, Ryan, that you know there's evidence about the impact on a young brain. Oh, yeah. 
Of course. Very vigilant course. about young people. And again, more vigilant than we were in, in my days. And when I think back to my time growing up, uh, you know, marijuana was readily available, readily available and and way too much. And so uh, we know the impact on, on, on the young brain that is still yep. developing. Um, so you're you're exactly right. We need to be be transparent. We need to be clear, accurate and transparent. Yep about what yeah. cannabis does and doesn't do at different... You have to be yeah, honest with kids, man. I mean... Yeah. My you children, tell them, oh, Meryl... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. That's Tom. okay. I was just saying my, my kids are probably the last ones on earth to actually use cannabis until they're old enough because we've had this conversation ad nauseum. You know, they know what they know what dad does. And, you know, education, speaking to children, not speaking down to them. And that's, that's important. Yeah, because in reality, um, you know... Um, as far as, as, you know, every state that's legalized, teen use goes down. So it's, it's about access. It's about having that open conversation. Maybe it's also, it's not as cool anymore because, you know, mom and dad are doing it. But when you, when you're, when you try, they used to try to call it the gateway drug, but yeah, you try marijuana, you heard it was so bad and it's so great. Oh, maybe Coke's good. Maybe alcohol, maybe, you know, all this, because what else is, what, what else are they lying to me about? So it's simple it's just being honest and yeah i i tend to agree you know it's uh not everything not not every prescription not every approach is going to work for every child i still remember i, I don't know how <laughs> old i was probably 12 13 and we my, my, my mother played a lot of cards and you know back in the day i mean we were a big italian family and and you went when the family went you went and and so my mother would and i remember she was playing cards at my cousin's house this i mean a, a big adult cousin uh ellen and ellen was very sophisticated uh and she would smoke these long cigarettes i think they were virginia slims were they the long the long yeah. skinny yeah. and uh she always looked so elegant with these cigarettes and I remember I, I just begged my mother. I said, you know, can I can I try it? And they looked at each other, my mother and Ellen, and she said, well, sure. She said, I think he should try it, Ellen said to my mother. And my mother said, well, you think so? Okay, you know, are you sure you want to try it? Oh, yeah, I want, it. I want to try it, definitely. So they lit one up and I took a big, <laughs> I took a big hit and uh, just coughed and gagged and oh my God, it was the last time I ever wanted to smoke. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not yeah. suggesting that should be uh, the approach, but yeah. different different strokes for yeah. different folks. My uh, my 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 dad might have done that with skull with me when I was 11, and I uh, never touched it again either. <laughs> so, but man, uh, we could probably we could talk all day, uh, but we are running out of time. So I wanted to give everyone a chance to to give some final thoughts and say goodbye. So, uh, uh, Tom over at Real Leaf. Hey, Verge, uh, an honor to have the chance to speak with you. Uh, thanks again for everything and your support and just being a good, level-headed human being. Uh, and I would like to extend an invitation when we open, which is hopefully the first uh, cannabis consumption lounge in the state, uh, that you would be uh, available and consider coming up to be a guest. Would love to. I've been up to the lake up there, and you've got a beautiful little hidden gem. Kevin? I'd love to be there anyway for the grand opening. Yeah, again, just want to echo what Tom said. Verge, you've been uh, a huge influence on me in the cannabis industry. Uh, I appreciate your all your support over the years. It's great to see you. Um, and uh, I hope the best for you. And I hope you stay healthy uh, moving forward with the COVID. And uh, Verge, uh, of course, really uh, appreciate you having on. And if you want to tell, you know, final thoughts, anything on your mind, go ahead here. <laughs> 
Uh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate all your kind remarks. And uh, the uh, I just appreciate you. Thank you for, again, being trailblazers, for investing uh, in the city and in the state, uh, investing in our people, you know, for treating your employees right. Um, I, I've toured a lot of these facilities. And, um, you know, I it's just so heartwarming to see uh, people, again, some, some entry level, some, you know, obviously more experienced, uh, to see young people enthused, uh, you know, being in a, in a, in a healthy work environment, um, you know, having that experience for anybody, obviously nobody listening to this, but some people have this idea that, oh, you know, working in a weed shop or whatever, you know, people must come and go as they please. There must be a haze of smoke. Uh, <laughs> it's nothing like that. As you know, these are professional operations. Uh, these youngsters are learning great uh, work habits uh, that will serve them for life. They're earning good wages. Uh, I'm just just very excited about. And again, this is all stuff that was, as you know, I mean, this was underground. Uh, we were we were feeding uh, underground uh, uh, other economies, whether it was Colombia, Mexico. Here we've we've taken it, we've internalized it. Uh, we we've, we we're, we're feeding our domestic economy, um, growing our GDP. It's just very exciting. And, and when we get it off schedule one and we, and there's even more to be done because uh, I know you have trouble with banking. We didn't even talk about no. that. But uh, as as you continue to be allowed to professionalize um, uh, when that federal restriction comes off, uh, there's going to be even more benefits to the finance industry and even more spinoff jobs. So, uh, again, very exciting and uh, an honor, Ryan. Really appreciate you, the, the invite on show 27 uh, uh, to, to be here. And thank you for your leadership, Ryan, for, for, for your leadership in this community and in the state because you helped make it happen. <laughs> That's, uh, man, I don't know if I can top that. Thank you, Verge. And, you know, I, I, I love being in Lansing and, and putting in roots and, and uh, reminiscing. Things are going so well for the cannabis industry as, as a lot of the world around us is, is in turmoil. So, um, you know, I, I love to go down memory lane. I love the history. I love your perspective on it. And, it, you know, if there's ever, uh, you know, whatever you do or you mentioned that you, you might get back in at, at some level, you know, we're always here for you and, and cannabis is, is always going to thank you. So... With that, everyone out there listening on Facebook, check us out on Spotify, on iTunes, or Podbeam, and I will see, we'll all see you next week. The Smoke and Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.